So there's this weird part in the Old Testament. It's really weird. And uh, it's this part of the story where David is the king. And one of the things that's happened before David can become the king is there's this box. And you've probably heard of this box, especially if you've ever seen an Indiana Jones movie. It's called the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant, what it represented was it represented the presence of God for the people. And so they would put it in the temple, and so it was really important there. There's this story in the Exodus in which they go out of the land that they're in to go to the land that they are, and they lead with the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant, it takes them along this journey, and they believe it's the presence of God for the people. But then this really awkward thing happens. They lose it. And the first question is, you lost God, okay? Like, I mean, that's kind of the story. Like, they, they lost what they literally believed was the presence of God for them. They lost it. And so there's this weird part. And in Psalm 132, David makes it his personal mission as the king. And he says, I will not enter my house or get in bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. And so what he's saying is, as he becomes the king, the very first thing he's going to do before he does anything else for himself or the kingdom is he is going to go back and he is going to get this box, this ark. He is going to bring the presence of God back to the people. And so there's kind of some things that they do and they mess up and, and they don't do it right. And eventually they figure it out. They find out where it is. They send the men to get it. And the men come back with the Ark of the Covenant. Now, David is the king of Israel. He's like the most important man in the land, the most prominent man in the land. And as they're bringing the ark back into the city, there's this moment in 2 Samuel chapter 6. And it says this, And David danced before the Lord with all of his might and was wearing a linen ephod, which is underwear, just so you know, okay? So David and all of his house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with him shouting with the sound of the horn. Now, it is underwear that he's wearing, but it's a special underwear. It's underwear that only the priests could wear. And so here it is, and you have a king who's also a priest, which is also a foreshadowing of some other king priest that's going to come later. But you have this foreshadowing, and he has this moment where he's so excited that he literally takes off all of his clothes, and he's dancing in his underwear. Now, I have never been that excited, but maybe some of you have, okay? And, and here's this moment. Now, in this moment, his wife walks in, and she sees him. Now, he's the king. He is the most prominent man in all of the land. And he, she walks in and she sees her husband, the king, standing in his underwear dancing. And there's this exchange that takes place between them. And David eventually says, no, this is my worship. And he has this great line that we'll look into another time. He says, I will become even more undignified than this. Which is his way of saying, I don't care what anybody thinks. This is my response because the presence of God has come back. And in his worship, he doesn't care what anybody else thinks about it. He doesn't care what anybody else sees. This is what he's doing. And from this point in the story, we're going to see it kind of change when it comes to our idea of worship. In fact, David is going to be part of writing this book of Psalms, which is really just a book of songs that they would often sing on their way to the temple. And so things are going to change when it comes to this idea. And so we're going to take a few look at a couple of snapshots of the Psalms and what David tells us about worship. And I figured, you know, we're in this pillar series and worship is such a big part of what we do here and a part of our life. And with Nathan's last Sunday, worship is something he is so passionate about. So I figured let's just talk about it. 
And so in Psalm 47, and there's a whole bunch of these, so we're just taking a few of them. But in Psalm 47, it tells us this. And this is not actually written by David. This is written by the sons of Korah, which we don't know who they are. They might have been like the original Backstreet Boys or something. But here's what it says. It says, Come everyone, clap your hands, shout to God with joyful praise, for the Lord Most High is awesome. He is the great king of all the earth. So these sons of Korah, what they were, they would be worship leaders. And so on their way to the temple, these guys would be leading everybody going to the temple and, and worship. And one of the things that they, we often see in the Psalms is this idea of clap your hands. So apparently, when we sing, God likes it if we clap our hands. God did not give us hooves. He gave us hands that can clap. And some of us he even gave rhythm to. Not all of us, but some of us. <laughs> And so apparently there's this thing that, that, that God says, when you praise me, don't be afraid to make some noise. And what's interesting to me is when I think about church, and, and when I grew up in church, and maybe this is your experience, and it's interesting that terminology often determines theology, but when I grew up in church, I thought God liked quiet. That's what I thought. Like, I thought that God liked quiet. And listen, don't get me wrong. When you're in here, out of respect for everyone, be quiet, okay? Just, just be quiet. I get it, okay? But when we're in the building, that's, I mean, I grew up in church thinking that you just had to, the moment you got out of your car till you get to your seat, then you go to the service, it's just about being quiet. And that is what God likes. They would bribe us to be quiet. Did anybody else in church get this? They would give us candy if we would just shut our mouths during church, right? And the other thing, you would ask, well, why do we have to be quiet? Because it's God's house. Oh, okay, that makes sense. God doesn't like noise, okay? And then God doesn't like running in church, right? I don't know if you grew up in a church like that. You can't run. As a kid, you could not run. You had to walk. And everybody thought they were my dad, and they weren't, right? And so you would run places, and you would be excited. And I grew up thinking that God hated loud noises and running. But let me ask you a question. Do you really like going places where you can't make noise? Like, if, like, think about it. Listen, and I know, I'm sure yours was great, but weddings, funerals, graduations, right? Nobody likes those things, right? <laughs> we go to weddings for the food afterwards, funerals out of respect, and nobody likes going to a graduation, right? All right? And part of it is you just have to sit there and be quiet. And a lot of people think that church services are supposed to be the same way. But apparently, according to the sons of Korah, and we see this over and over again, God likes a little bit of noise. I had an author one time I read talk about this four-year-old that he saw in church, and the four-year-old was smiling and jumping and, and laughing and clapping during worship. And he said that the mom immediately grabbed the girl and took her out of the service and kind of lectured her about how you just don't do that in church. And the author goes on to say what was sad was that was the only moment of joy that he saw in the whole service. Psalm 149, it says this, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praises in the assembly of the faithful. O Israel, rejoice in your maker. O people of Jerusalem, exalt your king. Praise his name with dancing accompanied by tambourine and harp. For the Lord delights in his people and he crowns the humble with victory. So it starts off by saying, sing to the Lord a new song. I grew up in a church that I thought God stopped letting music be made in the 1500s, Right? And I, I don't listen. I love hymns. They're some of the greatest songs that, that have ever existed. I, I, I get it, but but it's almost like this moment where it was like, okay, that's enough. 
And what, what happens, you have to understand, is these people that wrote these ancient songs that some of us love, and, and I, that's a joke. I mean, we have the 1900s and, and Crosby and all of them. And, and, but here's the thing. Something was going on in their life, and they wrote it down, and it became a song. Like Amazing Grace. Like if you've ever studied how we got the song Amazing Grace. Or, or like the song, It Is Well With My Soul. If you ever understood the backstory of what was going on in the person who wrote that song's life, it's amazing. And so what happens is God says, sing to us a new song, which is the idea that if something's going on in your life and that God's doing it, write it down. And let's sing those songs too. It's okay that he introduced a new song on the last week that he's here. We're, we're not going anywhere. We'll sing that song again. It was great. And so maybe some of you have songs in your hearts that need to be written down. And then he says, and praise the Lord with dancing. Oh, no. Um, I grew up dancing, thinking that dancing was from the devil. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't dance because I can't dance. All right? That's true. My wife, after 15 years of marriage, last year we were at a wedding, and I went out and danced with her. And she goes, oh, no, I'm so sorry. Like... <laughs> But some people, they love to dance. I mean, have you ever been in a place where just something's going on? It's the music, it's the movement, it's whatever, and you just got to move, right? Apparently, God likes that, right? Apparently, it's okay to dance a little bit, to sway, to move, to do what you need. Maybe your attitude needs to be more like David and say, yes, I don't care what anybody else thinks. This is my worship to the Lord. And then he says this. <clears throat> oh, praise the Lord, Psalm 134. Oh, praise the Lord, all you servants. This is something they would sing on their way to the temple. Oh, praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who serve at night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your holy hands in prayer and praise the Lord. I don't have an agenda with this because I'll be honest with you. I'm one of the least likely people to have probably ever raise my hand. Let's be honest. It's just not in me. Like I'm the hand in the pockets like this. You know, like I get a sway out of me every once in a while. It's really good if I start nodding my head. I'll tell you that much. But, <laughs> but apparently God likes it when we raise our hands. And I get some of you, you're like me, you'll never do that. But some of us in this room, there's moments we want so desperately to do that. And, and why does God like this? Well, well, maybe there's a couple of reasons. First of all, we often see that raising your hands is an act of surrender. You, you've reached the end, and so you give up. Or maybe it's this idea. It's apparent when your kids, they need you, what, what do they do? They reach up. And maybe it's the symbolism of us recognizing our need for God. Or even as an adult, have you ever thought about this? That sometimes you're in this moment and you get excited and you don't even realize it and you raise your hands. You ever been to a concert and you've been waiting for that one song, right? You like how bands, they play all their new stuff and you're like, we don't care. Just play that song, right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden they play that song and you just don't even, you don't even realize it. You catch yourself, right? And you raise your hands, you ever been to a surprise party for somebody and you ever taken a picture in the moment of the surprise? Do you know what everybody's doing in the moment? They're raising their hands. Nobody said to do that. It's just what we do. It's this natural response. It's this moment where we have all of this energy and we get so excited. And one of the things we do is we just raise our hands. Let me paint this scenario for you. And some of you are going to hate this. So just 
hear me out, okay? And don't write me emails, okay? Because this is what it is. Let me paint a picture for you. Let's imagine we're in the final four, and it's Duke and Kentucky, right? Now, some of you are really going to like how this ends, and some of you aren't. Okay, so bear with me. Pretend it's UofL in like three or four years. I've got some time, okay? It's true, okay? I'm not a hater. It's just true. But here's the thing. You're in this game, and it's the final minute of the game. And you're down by two points, and Kellen Grady gets the ball on the wing. Ten seconds left, and he hits a three. And we're up by one, and Duke turns it over, and the game is over, and there's no more Christian Leitner ever, all right? (laughs) If you're a UK fan there, 26,000 people are going to stand up and raise their hands in the air, right? There isn't going to be a fan there that sits there with their hands in their pockets and is like, oh, that was, that was pretty good. <laughs> I like that. And why is it so easy to get excited in those moments? Maybe God wants some of that. So apparently he, he likes it when we clap and we yell and we jump and we dance and we raise our hands in the air. One Psalm 150 says this, Praise the Lord, praise the God in His sanctuary, praise Him in His mighty heaven, praise Him for His mighty works, praise His unequaled greatness, praise Him with the blast of a ram's horn, praise Him with the lyre and the harp, praise Him with the tambourine and dancing, praise Him with strings and flutes, praise Him with clash of cymbals, praise Him with loud clanging cymbals, let everything that breathes breath sing praises to the Lord, praise the God. Here's what that's saying, okay? Okay, doesn't matter what your music tastes are, they just got covered, Right? Because here's the thing, I don't know much about harps, but I know you don't jam on a harp, okay? (laughs) Which means sometimes God likes it when it's kind of soft and quiet and it's reflectful. But then he talks about like blasting a ram's horn. I've never played a ram's horn, but I'm imagining it's pretty loud. And then it talks about tambourines. Have you ever met a person that's not crazy that plays a tambourine, right? (laughs) If you are in a band and you get the tambourine, you're the crazy one, right? The harmonicas are different. All right. He likes it. When I was, when I was in third grade, they do this thing. They, they teach you how to play a recorder. You guys remember playing recorders? And we'd play Hot Cross Buns. And so we'd play this song. And so we'd play Hot Cross Buns. And we did it. And at the end of the semester, you perform. Now, there was a kid in our class. His name was Danny. And, and um, I hope he's not here. But I don't think he is. But his, he could not play it. He just could not do it. He couldn't get it together. And so what our music teacher decided was that at the end of every Hot Cross Buns, one a penny, two a penny, Hot Cross Buns, when we got to the second line of hot cross buns she gave him cymbals and he was going to crash the cymbals and Danny was so excited to crash the cymbals he crashed it the whole song just over and over and over again and here's what it says this clash those cymbals they're loud they make noise which means sometimes God likes it loud now here's the thing see some of you're like well I don't like it loud or some of you're like well I don't like it soft well here's the problem um that's because we think worship is our idea and it's not it's his and it's also not for us it's for him and apparently God likes it when we do these things. That when we sing and we're loud and we're excited, 
because it's a reflection, it's a response to what we believe God has done for us. Psalm 122 says this, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. So I think there's two primary camps of people here. There's people that really like to sing and people that don't like to sing, right? It's just who you are. Some of you, when you found out we were doing extended worship, let's be honest, you were tempted to leave. And some of you are like, this is the greatest thing ever. Just Jeremy just needs to go. <laughs> now let me say a couple words to both camps. First of you all, those that like to sing, don't be ashamed. Just go for it. Just sing. Just sing your heart out. Every week, we need your passion, your energy, your excitement, your desire. We need your voice every single week. And here's why. Because for some of the people in this room, it took everything they had just to get here. And they need your voice. <clears throat> they need to hear your voice sing like you believe what you're singing. And let me apologize, too, because let me be honest. There's moments where you feel like you can't do that because you're worried what people around you might think. You're worried they'll roll your eyes if you raise your hands. They're worried if they'll give you a funny look if you start clapping on songs. Listen, there are songs that you just have to clap. You just have to. And you're the weirdo for not clapping, just so you know. <laughs> and we need those voices. Don't be ashamed of it. If you want to dance, dance respectfully. <laughs> if you want to clap, clap. There's this book I read years ago. It was about Matt Redman. And he said he was in this worship service. And there's this moment where he just wants to sing so loud and he wants to dance. And nobody's dancing around him. So he literally walks out the door and runs around the parking lot for 15 minutes. Because he doesn't know what else to do. Do what you need to do. You know, and then there's some of us that don't like to sing. And I, I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I like to sing, but it's just something weird about it, right? What other place do you go where a group full of strangers come together and you just sing a song together? Like maybe a birthday party or something, but that's just about it. And it's kind of awkward and weird, right? I mean, can you imagine if we went to McDonald's after this and we're like, hey, we're all going to sing a song together now, you know? <laughs> There's the cult. Okay. <laughs> but here's the thing. Apparently, God likes it. And I get for some of you, you have to suck it up every week and cross your arms for 15 minutes as we sing the songs. And I get it. I've, I've been there. But see, what if you approached it differently? See, part of it is this. Have you ever been in a moment where there's a conversation going on around you and you're not actually talking, but you're fully engaged in the conversation? You're fully present in the conversation and you're paying attention to what's going on, and you're, you're catching the emotions. And, and you may never say a word in the conversation, but you walk away from it, and it feels like you've had this experience. Maybe worship's like that. Maybe for some of us what it is, instead of just enduring it, what it is is we take it and we say, okay, I'm going to engage in the experience. Listen, I'm just going to read the lyrics this week, and I'm just going to see what maybe that means for me. And I'm not going to sing, I'm not going to clap, I'm not going to raise my hands, I get it. But, but, but what if those words paint a picture in my heart of what maybe God's trying to speak to me? Or, or, or maybe it's the thing where, you, you know what, I'm not going to sing, but, but maybe your approach is, one week I will. Uh, like I remember not too long ago, there was a week where Nathan and Natalie did Child of God together. And it was like, you know what, if, if you were ever going to sing, like that was the moment. And maybe you're just waiting for one of those moments. And so wherever you are, you have permission 
You have permission in this next 15 minutes that Nathan's left me that he's going to sing. You go for it. Sing your hearts out. Maybe for you, it's just this idea you're just going to sit there and you're going to look at the screen or you're going to allow yourself to be engaged in what's going on. There's this cool thing about worship. We talked about it before. It's this idea that when we come together, we're so out of sync everywhere else. But there's like this moment when we sing together, what we're doing is we're breathing together, we're inhaling together, we're exhaling together. If we choose to clap, the ones that are on rhythm, you clap loudest and we're doing something together. And in a world where we're so out of sync every other place, there's just a few minutes where we realize that we are together. And your Father in heaven loves it. When his kids come together and sing and clap and dance. And that is what we're singing about. And that is why we should be excited when we get to come to the house of the Lord. Let's pray.